Welcome to the second episode of Counter Voices, a podcast dedicated to unearthing the meaning and essence of diversity. A major goal of the podcast is to offer language and knowledge in order to provide confidence when dealing with conversations on diversity. Today, we'll continue to discuss diversity's depth and breadth with Jorge Prosperi, the author of Trenza's Braids and the originator of the website diversitythreads.com, and the podcast, Counter Voices. I'm Gloria Lapata Prosperi, and you are listening to Counter Voices, Episode 2. Our first episode delineated the genesis of Counter Voices, which was an outgrowth of the website, diversitythreads.com. So I think that it's fitting that this episode examine that website. Jorge, share with us what were some of the influences and experiences that led you to its creation? It seems, Gloria, that every step of my professional life was an augmentation of a prior experience. I believe that being an immigrant and going through the acclimation and assimilation process was the first connection to diversity. That experience is highly personal, deals with identity, and continues to this day. The second influence was becoming a world language teacher and realizing the impact that language plays in our development. Also, the realization that all world languages live within diverse societies and cultures, and each has a unique history. I discovered early on that regardless of the age and grade level of students, What was important was to share not only the language, but the people who spoke, wrote, and lived the language. Along the way, I had stellar mentors who prepared and empowered me to pursue administrative roles and finally, the findings of my doctoral process initiated a book resulting in the website, which in turn led to the podcast. That was very interesting. Now, I've noticed that you often state that the website provides critical filters to examine the immensity and complexities of diversity. And to that end, the website has the following specific headings. Essay Library, Citizenship, Criticality, Lifelong Learning, In Their Voices, Musing, and Truth Serum. Can you touch on each of these sections and explain a little bit about each one of them for us? Of course. A major goal of the website is to provide language, tools, and sources by which to navigate difficult discussions on diversity. The hope is to lessen the fear, the hesitation associated with the subject. To that end, the homepage of the website provides the most current contributions. It could be a controversial social, cultural, political essay, a poem, or images with captions. You never know what the homepage may provide, but you can count on two elements always being present, emotional intelligence and moral courage. The second section is the essay library. It catalogs all the essays, poems, contributions on the website per section. The third category is citizenship, focusing on the tenets of citizenship. Let me pause on citizenship. During the eight years of President Obama's presidency, 
One of his major contributions was to relentlessly challenge us to make citizenship a personal living priority. He reminded us that we are bonded by the undeniable legacy that connects us, that is, our diverse ancestry of immigrants who eventually became citizens. The fourth section is criticality. As educators, we are constantly asking students to do what? Think critically. We should continue to think critically as adults in pursuit of the truth. The fifth section is titled Lifelong Learning, which is connected to my personal affinity to the noble profession of teaching and learning. The sixth section is In Their Voices and is dedicated to essays and poems by various contributors that we will be presenting in future podcasts. The seventh section is Musings, contains tongue-in-cheek pieces via the arts, inspirational thoughts, some satirical pieces. The eighth section, called Truth Serum, contains essays that focus on controversial commentary. The major theme of this section is the state of our democracy. And finally, the most recent addition to the website, the podcasts. Okay, thank you for that. Now, it seems to me that there is a common thread running across all the sections of the website, and that is the impact and influence language has on our development, beliefs, attitudes, and behavior. Now, in 2022, we have a tsunami of language that's available to everyone by cable news talking points, tweets, comments on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, Can you address your emphasis on language and its connection with diversity, criticality, and its daily impact on our society? Well, let's begin with my belief that words matter. Each single word matters. All language should be scrutinized, regardless of one's personal ideology and beliefs. Just because we read or hear words do not make the comments true particularly by individuals who have a reputation of lying and misinforming by choice and design. Let me be clear. We should even examine the language that we agree with. One of the principal components of criticality comes down to credibility and trust. Is the language credible? Can we trust it? Credibility and trust rely on the truth. Repeatedly hearing what we want to hear does not make it credible or trustworthy. The key element is the pursuit of the truth. Not yours, not mine, theirs, ours, but the naked truth. We are asked while in school and upon entering a profession to think outside the box and think critically. We may not like what we discover due to critical thinking. We may not like the reality that is in opposition to what we believe or we're told to believe. It can be emotionally and psychologically devastating when what we believed to be true for years we realize is a lie or a fraud or 
we were just mistaken. Misinformation, when taken at face value, creates anxiety, fear, and chaos. Untruths can weaponize a society into beliefs that lead to catastrophic events. Nazi Germany is a perfect example of such a calamity. Joseph Goebbels, the Nazi Chancellor of Germany, headed the propaganda Nazi machine from 1933 to 1945. For 12 years, he engineered the media campaigns controlling all of the news outlets, the infamous staged rallies, films, radio, and all information that washed over the German people and the world, and yes, even America. One of his quotes that describes a strategy used to politicize and radicalize a society is, and I quote, If you tell a lie big enough, and keep repeating it, people will eventually come to believe it. Here's another one of his quotes. Propaganda works best when those who are being manipulated are confident they are acting on their own free will. The evil ideology of Nazism caused the murder of millions, resulting in generations that are still dealing with lingering trauma. So, what is at stake when we casually, lazily, capriciously, and stubbornly avoid dealing with the truth? Well, to pursue the truth in all things is quite a responsibility that you place on the shoulders of citizens. It could be a daunting task, given all the realities that encompass living in the 21st century. I'm glad that you emphasize living in the 21st century rather than living in the past. Living in a democracy requires conscious awareness of democratic principles that should be nurtured and protected. Citizenship takes work. It is not a title or an event to be celebrated just on the 4th of July, waving a flag or standing for the national anthem. I believe that a democracy requires making some tough decisions, such as embracing inclusivity equity, rule of law, right to vote, preserve and protect our environment and together work to enhance together the quality of life for all in the 21st century. We need to ask on an ongoing basis, what is the platform of each of our current political parties and their candidates? Will leaders be role models for our children to emulate and respect do we dare to be magnanimous on behalf of others and the future of our children? Democracy answers those questions each day of our lives. But we must take our citizenship seriously. And that work, that responsibility, is ever-present. Yeah, I agree with that very much. Thank you. Now, on your website... You state in the About section the following, and I quote, A core value of DiversityThreads.com is to use critical filters to sift through content and context in an effort to avoid cyberbullying, pandering, condescending, romanticizing, 
Intellectually abstracting and or appropriating backgrounds, ethnicities, identities, and the personal counter-stories of others, end quote. Now that sounds like a disclaimer to me, to not to intrude or misrepresent the identity of others or other affinity groups. Can you please share why you felt that it was necessary to make such a statement? Absolutely. Rather than being a disclaimer, it is a significant statement in establishing the credibility and trust of the website and the podcast. It's a statement of respect for each identity connected to an affinity group that is established or an affinity group in the process of its emergence. I can't speak to any other experience or identity other than my own. Therefore, I can only speak from the I perspective. African Americans, Asians, Latinas, Latinos, immigrants, white people, should not be considered as a collective noun. Each has a history and multiple identities that continue to morph, providing amplified perspectives through individual voices. Okay, thank you for that. Now, in the introduction of the website, you state that its genesis encapsulated many different experiences that eventually gave life to the website. You emphasize that your journey was a matter of doing, quote, the work, unquote. And that phrase, the work, is often quoted. It's in bold italics for emphasis. And you state that the work is directly connected to our citizenship. I'm really very curious for you to describe and define the work. Well, the first time I heard the term the work was in the 1960s while attending an extended national symposium on multiculturalism. That's what it was called in those days. All the work that we're doing right now in those days was called multiculturalism. The work references all historical events dealing with the examination of victimization in humanity and deals with all initiatives, advocacies, quantitative and qualitative research findings, academic educational endeavors dedicated to extend the conversation on social justice, equity, inclusivity, and self-determination. One constant focus of the work is the multi-generational trauma inherited by victims and the victimizers that lingers. A major objective of the work is to authenticate and amplify the Declaration of Independence, Constitution, Bill of Rights, and the rule of law for all Americans. In other words, not to simply think of diversity and all of its tenets as a one-day workshop, an HR video, or token culture days celebrating diversity by dress, dance, song, and food, and then avoiding the subject for the remainder of the year. The work also refers to the demanding emotional and psychological process of introspection, self-examination of personal constructs, that is, the personal prejudices and biases learned over many years by way of family, region, community, friends, and colleagues. An ongoing theme of the work is directly connected to citizenship. Actually, 
via this conversation, Gloria, in this very moment, we are doing the work. And hopefully those listening are doing their share of the work as well. Okay, thank you. Now I'm finding that your answers tend to not only explain, but continuously challenge us to reflect on our own citizenship. On the website, you mentioned the goal of authenticating and amplifying the Declaration of Independence. This is a constant theme that I find in many of the essays. I notice that you acutely and passionately examine the language of the Declaration of Independence, specifically when referring to the last four words, the pursuit of happiness, which you say should have been written instead, and I quote, the pursuit of a quality of a life worth living. At first, I thought that opposition to the word happiness was tongue-in-cheek, but it's more than that. You seem to take umbrage with the word. Why your dislike with the word happiness? Well, first of all, Gloria, I don't hate the word happiness. I seek it. But language and the essence of words should be honored and respected because, again, language matters. We think, express our thoughts, listen, interpret, explain, and comprehend via language. We tell the truth or lie to each other through language. That truth or lie establishes credibility and trust or not. I believe that we should use language with reverence, caution, integrity, and to the best of our ability, eloquence. Expression takes work. Now, regarding the word happiness. When dealing with the Declaration of Independence, for me, the word happiness is simplistic almost insulting given the weight of the document. I believe that the writers were learned men of their times and understood the power and significance of language. The words in the Declaration of Independence are deafening. This was and remains an incredible, radical proclamation. It shook the world, and I believe it still does. I am in awe of each word. So let's break it down. They began by choosing the pronoun we. By the way, pronouns matter. We. That's all of us. That's your neighbor, my neighbor, up north, down south. Then it states, hold these truths. Truths. Not tweets. Conspiracy theories, contrived, politicized, weaponized, polarizing, toxic, self-serving opinions or talking points, but truths. Now, these truths are self-evident, validated, believable, discernible. It goes on. That all, not some, all. Who? Men? Now, we can debate whether they meant only men, only white men. But then they wrote, created, creation, a powerful concept, to create something from nothing. Whether we define creation in relig religious terms or the Big Bang Theory, it should cause pause, followed by another powerful concept, equal. You mean, you mean that neighbor next door in downtown? Yes, yes, equal. Let's move on, endowed. Endowed, B 
bequeathed. By who? Their creator. They doubled down on creation and introduced a supreme being with certain, and here it is, the one that gives me goosebumps, unalienable. Oh my, unalienable. Can't be taken away. A word that should be taught at preschool. I can hear the preschool teachers now. Children, today we are reading a big book on what is yours forever. Unalienable. Let's pronounce it together. It means yours forever. No one can take it away. The declaration goes on. These unalienable rights, mine and yours, connected to equity? Well, what rights? All humongous rights. Life. Does it get any more personal than life? Mine, yours, theirs, ours? Life. The noun. To live. The verb. To live with respect, preservation, conservation of life. The lives of our children and their children. Another right. Sweet, sweet liberty. Freedom. Self-determination. What is the antonym of liberty? Oh yes, bondage and victimization. And finally, the pursuit of happiness. No. You know, it sounds as if these gentlemen, all brilliant men, just got tired and said, Woof, let's just throw in happiness. Finis. Let's just go home to our plantations. Done. I'm sure that plantation owners and their families experienced happiness for generations. But their slaves, their property, their human commodities did not. It's it's not that I dislike the word happiness, but I believe that the Declaration should end with the pursuit of a quality of life worth living. Sorry for the tedious explanation, Gloria. Oh, no, that's okay. (laughs) Actually, I happen to agree with that. (laughs) And anyways, that's why we're here, to explore, define, and clarify. We seem to always need more time to deal with what the website and podcast is all about, the complex dimensions and peripheries of diversities. But we've come to the end of this podcast And the next podcast will deal with what many call the mother load of the website, the Diversity Literacy Galaxy Model. So thank you very much for everything. And as always, a sincere thanks to Alan Contino, Executive Producer and Chief Engineer of Delirium Networks, and to Nancy Gage and Anthony Baez for the graphic designs on the website and podcast. And lastly, our thanks to each of you for joining us. I'm Gloria Lapata Prosperi, and you have been listening to Counter Voices. Mm-hmm.